Hello? Uh, you're still kind of... Yeah. Okay, you're back to normal, I think. Say some more stuff. Hello? Uh, give me a sentence. Tell me about titties, Mike. Uh, Joe says JVJK on when Lil Dan Mai. What the hell did any of that mean? Uh, this is Joe. A little while ago, he was, uh. I don't know. I don't know if he ever explained himself, but there was like, uh. I guess. He was sitting on a keyboard or somebody walked on it or something. Oh, okay. It's funny because it's mostly gibberish, but there's like... He can know. I see a capital N-Y. Mm-hmm. And then an all-K. And then the last sentence ends with the last name Nguyen. <laughs> Fascinating. Maybe autocorrect tried to salvage that and just... And welcome to another episode of the Otaku Connection. And due to the weird state NAGP is in, I'm gonna need to use this intro as my soapbox. And got a bit of a bone to pick with you, Microsoft. And it's not something you did recently. No, this is something you did a while back. As a matter of fact, it's documented on the previous incarnation of uh, NAGP. Back before it resurrected or returned. Or was again. And yeah, that crappy substitute to backwards compatibility you pulled with the 360. Yeah, that's come back to bite. And it's not just you, it's biting, it's me. Because all I want to do right now is play Otogi. I just want to play Otogi and possibly Otogi too. Maybe Fan Dust, I don't know. But I can't play any of it. No, I can't. Not unless I go out and track down an original Xbox and then track down a copy of Otogi and possibly Otogi 2 and Phantom Dust and whatever the hell else I want to play, which is a problem because there are like... Like, good luck finding a copy of that game or really any game that someone isn't trying to sell at eBay collector prices. Ugh... Cheapest one I saw on Amazon was like 50 bucks. Ugh. How much easier would it have been? How much easier would it have been if you had just done like actual backwards compatibility? Instead, you did this selected backwards compatibility, which meant 15 different ways to play Halo and nothing else. Ugh. Anyway. We're uh, rolling right along with the uh, month of Futaro Yamada um, with uh, Makai Tensho. And I chose this movie for a particular reason, which I'll get into the episode proper, so please enjoy. I'm as ready as I'm gonna get. It's kind of hard to get a bead on where to even start with this movie. Uh, I can start by just saying when the Japanese do bad dads, they do it in some very interesting ways. Yeah, 
is it is it off that I did feel some sympathy for Jubei's dad? Well, I thought that I didn't think that he was. See, that's the interesting thing about this is she, it's never. I feel like it's never really like after a while, Jubei kind of comes out as the protagonist, mm-hmm. as like the hero of the story. Yeah, but he doesn't really even show up until I feel like halfway through. He's always late. And in in both cases where he's late, it's actually pretty sad because it feels like his presence at those points might have changed things significantly. Yeah, well, I I feel like you never really know who's good and bad. Mm -hmm. And I guess to some extent, everyone has like a tragic story to them. Mm -hmm. And then they're turned into devils out of some strange deathbed desire, but... That's why the whole thing feels really muddy to me. Is there's no real clear protagonist because you think it's going to be this dude in the beginning. Oh, uh, Shiro. Well, yeah, we uh, mm-hmm. talked about this in the um, the Sword for Truth episode, where a lot of uh, stories stem from a historical event called the Shimabara Rebellion. Speaking of which, that opening scene is the most haunting thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't remember the the. Seven heads on the pikes. Oh yeah, it was. I watched it on my phone, so it was. But uh, yeah, lots of severed heads, and he takes the hair, and you really feel where he's coming from. But then at the end, it's like you're the bad guy now. There's a, it, then, it's a journey he makes yeah. to like go from this sympathetic guy to a character who I am certain gave people nightmares. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of was wondering who the fuck, what his deal was. Was he based off somebody real or something? Yeah, yeah he's uh, Amakusa Shiro or Shiro Amakusa. I'm not sure which is the surname. Um, is a real guy. He actually was a uh, figure within the uh, sect of um, Christians in Japan. Or I guess, mm-hmm. like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the technical situation is. But yeah, there was a huge uh, population of uh, Japanese practicing Catholicism in Japan at a time where foreign anything was banned, foreign religion in Mm -hmm. particular. Yeah. And, yeah, they were being overtaxed and overworked, and this led led to revolt. They uh, took hold of a castle, hid out there, it turned into a siege, and when forces that either doubled or tripled their numbers broke through, they just slaughtered everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the basis for the story stems from the fact that, and I only have Wikipedia to confirm this, but apparently uh, Shiro's last words were claiming that he would come back in a hundred years and take revenge. <laughs> What a, what a thing to claim on your deathbed. I'll be back in a hundred years to fuck your shit up. Yeah. But you'll probably be gone. And, anyway, and but... maybe he did, maybe if, maybe he saw into the future that someone would write a book about him that would turn into a movie that would give their descendants nightmares. Mm. That's as close as we're probably going to get. Did you see Suicide Squad? Not yet. Funny that we watched this. Like, without giving too many spoilers, it's kind of structured in a similar manner. Because mm-hmm. um, although I think you're supposed to sympathize more with Suicide Squad, whereas these 
this ragtag group of demons, maybe not so much. But they kind of do, like, this film starts off very, like, okay, here's this person. Now let's flashback and tell them their, tell their, the troubles. Yeah, their uh, horrifically tragic backstory that led to them. Yeah. Either yeah. dying with massive regret or hovering around some mm-hmm. grave site because they can't pass on. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think Suicide Squad could have benefited from the way. But, uh, you were saying that uh, we were explaining how Suicide Squad might have benefited from something this movie did. It was to keep your villains as villains. But yeah. I think this movie did a, a nice job of kind of painting them as well. They, you know, they gave their souls away, so they're demons now. Yeah, stay demons. I was really, I was trying to get an idea of where this movie differs from the novel, and I didn't want to watch the anime they made based on the novel because it horrified me. Um, I found a manga based on it. And outside of some differences I'll get into later, um, the manga just outright says what this movie does a good job of implying, which is that when you're resurrected in this way, you come back wrong. You know, actually, now that I think about it, it was kind of in the back of my head, but I didn't really connect the dots while I was watching it. This movie reminds me a lot of Versus. Yeah, and, and that has a similar thing to it. Yeah, just rising people from the dead to create soldiers Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's the same story really see that's the thing and unfortunately i I lack the the cultural knowledge to really point out directly this is pulling from makai tensho that's pulling from makai tensho because similar elements don't necessarily mean they're pulling from that but i could see how this is like a building block yeah yeah it's interesting and uh, the the creator of the novel, Futaro Yamada, is uh, prolific out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was very strange because, yeah, the other thing is, like, I think that the second person you're introduced to is Musashi Miyamoto. But he's, like, on his deathbed. He's, like, dying in a cave. Yeah, he, he's such a fucking hard ass. He's like, I'm going to die sitting in my fucking armor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, I killed all my rivals. I'm just going to die now. But that was another thing I didn't really get was, well, not that I didn't get it, but it was like, it was strange for me to see him portrayed as such a villain. Because mm-hmm. usually I, he seems like a folk hero to me. Like they always portray like him as like a legendary figure. But mm-hmm. I, I was kind of shocked when they, they were like, oh, no, we're reviving him from the dead, and he's going to be, like, a pretty mean guy. He's just going to... he He's not the most villainous of the group, but he does kill indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people he just didn't need to murder that he did. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. There was so much murder. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if I can pinpoint exactly when it happens, but... At a point, this this goes from like a period drama, maybe even like a period tragedy, to a horror movie. Yeah, it does. Like an '80s horror. It even has like weird '80s music. Yeah. Well, it is an '80s film. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just people are dropping left and right, just murder city. <laughs> 
and like even the ways they're killed feels almost like a slasher film. Yeah, it's, it's funny that I've only seen Sonny Chiba actually in American movies. Yeah, this is like old Japanese badass. Yeah, he was in Kill Bill and he was in Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I want to say that this movie is this both the the movie itself and the role he plays is kind of the basis for the Hitori Hanzo character in Kill Bill. They even uh, they even kind of um, not it's not the exact quote, but uh, sort of. Uh, it's the basis for what Hitori Hanzo says to the bride when he gives uh, her the sword he made. It's like, if oh, yeah, God stands yeah. before you, he'll be cut. Yeah, they say the same thing. The, uh, the smith he, says it. Yeah, when he gets the blade from Muramasa. Yeah, Muramasa. There's another famous name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of... It's something the Japanese do that I really <laughs> wish we would do, where they, like take all their historical figures and make like superheroes and villains out of them. Yeah. They just have fun with it. Yeah. We're, well, the thing is we're such a young country. We don't really have folk heroes. Mm -hmm. Like I'd say the closest we have to like a modern day folk hero is like Bernie Sanders. Yes. And he's just an old guy. Yeah. I mean, there's like a little bit of it with Lincoln kind of, Mm -hmm. I mean, we have shit like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, but, you know, there's all that, like, I don't think it was Washington or Lincoln. It's like, I can never tell a lie. Mm -hmm. There's, like, the weird cherry tree chopping Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. It's hard to, but we definitely, I I mean, I guess we kind of do. You know, I think about it. You, and it's funny that we're talking about samurai because ours, are from the old west yeah there is that like uh uh like what was it what, i'm trying to think of the ones let me just think of tombstone like Wyatt Earp, oh, yeah doc holiday and yeah. jesse james jesse yeah. james billy the kid yeah. yeah yeah westerns aren't as big now see i i feel like part of this is like and it's a certain portion of the American audience, but it's big enough that like the historians and the the hypercritical like basically the the part of the portion of the American people that want to like I don't know if it's historical accuracy or like wanting to point out that our history is bloody and fucked up and it seems like before you can get to like having fun with it, you got to go through like three documentaries, two different things about how, yeah, the American West was actually horrible, and all of these people were bloodthirsty murderers and racists, and it's like, I understand, I get that, can I please have a fun movie now? It it is. Well, I think we're about to get one with The Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah. That looks pretty fun. Yeah. And we do shit like, you know, Cowboys and Indians, which I didn't see. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you you know, we're recording this on the day of Gene Wilder's passing, but Blazing Saddles. (laughs) Where are the white women at? (laughs) Yeah, the Waco kid. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. Willy Wonka, amazing movie. Yeah, that threw me off hearing that. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I thought he was dead already. (laughs) 
he was just he just kind of fell into that category of people. I thought, yeah, he's just gonna live forever. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was dead already, and then I think the same thing when Richard Pryor died. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they just both got like debilitating illnesses where they would never. They sort of disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, that's the way it goes sometimes. But uh, anyway, yeah. So we do have our, our folk heroes a little bit, but mm. our history just isn't as long as the Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. Kind of fell off yeah. with that tangent. Let me see if there's anything I wanted to mention in particular. About Miyamoto. <laughs> uh, we can you... talk about Musashi in particular. Do you think Shigeru Miyamoto is a descendant? <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Though I imagine if he was, he'd have made a game about Musashi already, or at the very least would have given Link the uh, ability to use either a wooden sword carved out of an oar or use two blades simultaneously. See, yeah, when I saw the trailers and they were talking about Miyamoto in the movie, I was like, oh, that must be Sonny Chiba, but I was surprised that it wasn't. But uh, Jubei and his daddy are real people, right? Yeah. Yeah, they get. I feel like they get more play in regards to fiction than uh, Musashi. Well, they were uh, closely aligned with um, the to- the Tokugawa, and um, Jubei sometimes gets. Well, he gets played as both like a samurai, a ninja, and just like. He had this period where he walked the earth, so people like to mess with that a lot. Mm. It was interesting to finally see, because I feel like whenever somebody mentions Sonny Chiba, they, I don't know if they outright mention this movie, but I always have seen the picture of, of him with that eye patch mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the hair, mm-hmm. the weird ponytail mm-hmm. with the, the fro. Yeah. On the out of it. It's very poofy. Yeah, the poofy hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that costume or something similar to it was used in another movie. I think it was called, like, the Shogun Samurai or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not only another instance where uh, Sonny Chiba, the director of this film, I think it's Kenji Fukasaku. Let me double check. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, like they both I believe they both worked on that with one of the one of the three writers that worked on this movie. Uh mm-hmm. Kenji being one of the writers as well. Uh I remember that was one of the reasons why I chose this movie rather than another like there were two other versions of Makai Tensho committed to film. I chose this one due to the big names, Sonny Chiba and Kenji, because uh, Kenji is also the director of Battle Royale. Really? Yep. How old was he when he directed this movie? Uh, I don't know. I want to. What say... year did this come out? Eighty-one. Eighty-one. He was he was on in years because uh, like it says what my information here says he was born in nineteen thirty. So he directed Battle Royale at the age of like 70-something. It was maybe the last movie he did. He directed one mm-hmm. scene of BR2 before he passed away. Got to work with Sonny Chiba and Beat Takeshi. Yep. Did he ever work, did he ever work with Toshiro Mifune? 
I don't know. Don't know for certain, but it seems like it. their paths would have crossed at some point. Yeah, considering the sheer number of movies he's done, and just the sheer number of movies anyone working in that industry would have done between the '60s and '80s, because mm-hmm. Japan, I think, what was it? The French New Wave is like the '50s. Japan had yeah. their own new wave in the '60s, mm-hmm. and like from that point to about the '80s, they were just pumping out films rapid fire. And, you know, that was, you know, for good and for bad. Um, I think that that format of filmmaking is what led to uh, Seijun Suzuki kind of like going crazy and making uh, Branded to Kill. And eventually kind of getting blacklisted from film in Japan for maybe a decade. Hmm. But, you know, it was it was very. I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but like very like automated process. It's like go here, do this thing, work off this script. Okay, you're done. Do the next movie. Yeah, it turned that's... a lot of people into punch clock directors. But yeah, honestly, I kind of feel that way about this movie. Uh, not that it's bad, but it just feel like there's parts of it that are really interesting. But I do feel like. Like, I, I wanted it to be just over. <laughs> it, You know what? I I know what you're saying, and I know the, what it's, that's going to sound like to people. Mm-hmm. But in a weird, you know, there's, there's, it goes on longer than it should. And it happens in this weird way I can't really, like, point a finger on. But I got that feeling, like, pretty quickly. It's It's like, it was a pain in the ass to watch, but, like... Talking about it makes me feel better about it. Yeah. Like, because it was really interesting and crazy, but it was also just like the structure was really strange and the pacing was really strange. The pacing was kind of bad. Yeah, it's like it's like having a conversation with someone who really doesn't understand brevity. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> a lot of things that could have been implied, explained, or left to the the viewer had to be played out in full. Yeah. Which is funny because I feel like it has a lot of going back to Suicide Squad, I feel like it has the same kind of problems as Mm -hmm. Suicide Squad but Suicide Squad is kind of the opposite Mm -hmm. where they'll just like tell somebody's like we'll get to see a flashback of somebody Mm -hmm. and it's cool but I like I actually wanted more like yeah I wanted some more of like their past with like Batman or whatever mm-hmm. but but then at other times and yeah and then at other times they'll a character will just walk on and they'll just give two sentences about what their deal is and then mm-hmm. move on weird watching this after having just seen that movie because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of similarities yeah it's long-winded. Yeah, maybe that's it. And um, I heard that when I was, you know, tracking down the film, I saw a lot of people complaining about a dubbed version of the film, partially due to the dub being like really campy and cheesy, mm-hmm. but also because uh, a cut of the film with that dub excises a little over half an hour of the movie, mm. to the point that I think Jubei's dad isn't even in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you could. They definitely need this. Again, Suicide Squad. They both needed re-edits. Yeah. Like, like this, I feel like you could have cut. First of all, I don't know why it started with him resurrecting this woman. I mean, it's well, it's the fine. Only, yeah, her her purpose is specifically uh, seducing the emperor and making him crazy. Yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. It's like they spent so much time. I thought yeah. she was going to be like one of the main protagonists. The way they set that up. Yeah, it's you know it, it going on in this is there's a lot for a little. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of scenes with characters that are just kind of blah with one or two scenes that are just amazing. Cause I remember the scene where they're like shooting down the peasants who are trying to make the plea and they're like, they're deer shoot the deer. Mm-hmm. And he actually starts shooting. I'm like, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when he, when he fights, uh, when Miyamoto and what's his name fight. Oh, Jubei. Yeah. At the uh... on the beach, I think that is actually supposed to be the beach that Miyamoto fought uh, Kojiro. I think like his most famous rival on. Edit. No, it actually isn't. I'm dumb. I'm pretty sure I was thinking of Ganryu Island. I should have remembered that on account of the Tekken character. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that was very strange to me. I felt like. Jubei was on his way to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. I thought he was gonna like go and like kill Shiro mm-hmm. and like whatever the fuck, like right then. And then me and was like, meet me tomorrow at eight o'clock on the beach. And I was like, and I was like, okay, cool. So that'll be the finality. Like he'll kill Shiro yeah. and like go and see the dude. And then the big finale will be this. Uh, like it, this is this is the last step. Yeah, duel on the beach, and then like the next scene is them dueling on the beach, and yeah. then they move on. There's just like I don't know, like oh, that, that whole that was about that was about showing you the uh, Masamune blade ain't nothing to fuck with. Second edit, it's Muramasa, you dingleberry. When it yeah. a club in half. But um, I, I see like what if... you mean. Like, the movie doesn't let itself get any kind of momentum. Yeah, it doesn't. And I feel like you could have cut the entire... You could have cut Miyamoto out of the movie. Mm. Like, completely. But and... Oh. Yeah, but he fucking... He doesn't do anything in this movie. Except yeah. be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would be easy to excise. He was really inconsequential, and they made him a bad dude for some reason. I don't know. I mean, again, the whole point of this is that resurrection brings you back wrong, and maybe it's just supposed to speak to coming back from the dead being an affront against nature. Yeah. And then, like, the the kid. Oh, yeah. The Ninja Nice boy. Nice nice guy. Uh, Kunihiro or whatever the fuck is. Uh, ki, ki, Kirimaru? Kirimaru. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Nice guy, Kirimaru. He's such a nice guy. Except when you tell him he should rape somebody and he tries to do it. <laughs> and, and, and doesn't. <laughs> yeah. What the... F- like... I, I don't know. It was very... The whole thing was strange. <laughs> it was definitely bizarre. 
Yeah. Like, again, a lot for a little. Like, there's, like, a perfect edit of this somewhere. Mm. But, like, I feel I still feel like it was worth setting through the long-windedness to get the amazing parts of this. What do you consider the amazing parts? Well, one, that, again, I talked about how haunting that opening scene is, but it does a mm. good job of uh, creating sympathy for Shiro. Um, I actually like the bit of Musashi monologuing right before they show up. Uh, what else? The, both the, uh, Musashi fight and, uh, Jibei fighting his dad were pretty good. Uh, that last scene with Shiro with the severed head talking and basically saying, I'm, I'm going to be back. <laughs> Like that's that's when I was like, this motherfucker gave people nightmares. I know he did. Yeah, I I don't know if he was nightmare inducing for me, but I did think he was. Well, a... not nightmare inducing for me, but I look at that and know it terrified somebody. He was. I thought he was a great villain. He had gravitas by the mm-hmm. end. That's the one thing is I felt like he really was built into a really cool villain again like suicide squad <laughs> yeah i feel like the joker was the best part mm-hmm. of that movie and he's in it so little yeah. but i, I like shiro as the villain i thought he was really diabolical and mm-hmm. he felt like he was they pulled him off the stage or something yeah um oh yeah the other scene was the uh the deer scene yeah uh, that actually also when uh, the uh, people who got killed were crucified, and then Shiro makes them creates that turns that mob on the uh, I guess what's left of the Tokugawa. Mm-hmm. Like he possesses that woman, and she tells everyone else that there are martyrs. We have to burn them to end this curse, and then everyone just goes nuts. Yeah, it's weird. Lots of titties in this movie too. Yeah, but they're not sexy. <laughs> it's just no, uncomfortable. No, they weren't good-looking titties, and they weren't used in sexy manners. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like it just it, it just serves to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, the that lady was mad that her husband was fucking concubines. Is that was what was going on? Yeah, well, they established that she was. Um... And I had to read up on her afterward. They established that she'd been she was one of those people who converted to uh, Christianity. Yeah, they said that. And the whole concubine thing was an affront to that. Yeah, the dude was like he was mocking her for it. Yeah, he was like, "I'm gonna fuck this chick." What do you Weird. think of that? You're a Christian, ooh. And she's like, <laughs> "If you're gonna do it, then do it." And he's like, "Why aren't you mad?" <laughs> Yeah. It's like this guy is a miserable bastard. He left her for dead. Oh, he didn't just leave her for dead. He he ordered a guy to kill her. Yeah, so whatever happened to him? He just never shows up again. He died. How did he die? Um well that that's it's part of like a, a one of many customs that later emperors did away with because it's fucked up. Where, um, in in her case it's it's the idea that the uh wife of a samurai is to follow him in death. 
So she was actually expected to have committed seppuku when she found out her husband died. Okay. And she was saying, you know, suicide's an affront to my religion. And he's like, okay, well then, if you said that, I was ordered to kill you. Oh, I see. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that just kind of messed with her shit so much that she couldn't go in peace. So she ends up recreating her trauma with the Emperor. Yeah. At this time, they both die together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie, and oh, yet yeah. I feel like we've covered it all. <laughs> well, uh, we can... Well, I can I can sort of get into uh, differences I've discovered between this and the source material. It's actually a lot different, mm-hmm. and I'm I don't have any uh, hard confirmation on this, but I'm certain that this depiction of Shiro um, influenced not only influenced the well, I think it was a primary influence in the creation of a game called Samurai Showdown. Mm-hmm. The final boss of the first game is. Uh, Shiro Amakusa, same historical figure, and uh, he's designed very similarly mm-hmm. to the degree that I'm certain that, yeah, that this is just Shiro Amakusa from this movie and the game, albeit the weapon he uses is a bit different. Not hair? No, it's not not some hair. It's like, it's like a crazy orb that's tied to another character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, same, same plot, same goal, where uh, you know, Shiro renounces Christianity and makes a pact with some demonic force and plans to unleash it on the earth by turning Japan into a living hell. I think we talked about this on the Sword of Truth episode, but Mm -hmm. what was his deal in real life? Uh, He was a... He'd become a leader to a huge group of uh, practicing uh, Christians in Japan. And... I guess, uh, maintain that position when they decided to rebel. He was only 16 at the time and had a miraculous power attributed to him. Uh, I don't know the details exactly. I think like healing people. Uh, he was apparently just like a very charismatic figure. But uh, in I met I found like I said earlier I tracked down a manga that I think is uh, more closely related to the novel. One of the big differences between the movie and the novel is that Shiro isn't the mastermind behind this plot in it. Hmm. He's kind of like on the same level as Musashi and the spear guy and all these other people. Yeah, spear guy. We didn't talk about him. Yeah. It was like I never fucked and I regret it. <laughs> I was kind of I was trying to figure out what kind of monk he was that he wasn't fucking like like was this is this <laughs> is is this a uh, part of uh his specific uh sect or like what is he Shinto Buddhism whatever and they're just not supposed to screw or is this like self-imposed or what cuz he just really didn't want to do it. And it was making him it was making him so crazy that he was actually like wanting to kill women. Yeah. So is there a sect of Buddhism that doesn't let you fuck? Well, the point of I don't think there's any hard rule. I couldn't find any hard rule. I, I, I feel like you are not. supposed to you are supposed to your one of your goals is to ultimately transcend what they call the uh, 108 worldly desires. I imagine mm. lust is one of them. 
That's probably like the top. <laughs> Lust and violence. Yeah, that way you can you can fuck throughout the how many was it? One hundred and eight. You can fuck until for the first one hundred and seven. Then once you overcome those, then it's the last one. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Yeah, he. I think I feel like his character spells out more than any more than any other character in there that people come back wrong from this. Yeah, is he? He rapes somebody, doesn't he? Well, he. Yeah, there's at least one, maybe two, but like he murders them too. Like mm. the two, the two like repressed acts are now combined. Oh, that's right, a ninja that was like trying to kill. Kiri Maru. I think she did. Yeah, he, he like he catches her, and then like fucks her in front of a bunch of demons. Mm. <laughs> this movie's insane. It's it's insane. Well, how is like this movie viewed as far as like uh, the the is uh, like a cultural phenomenon? Is this like a it's hard to get a cult classic or a... um I feel like it is because I want to say short it may be like the most uh, reinterpreted of uh what is the name of this author I forget uh Futaro Yamada's works the only one that comes close to it is uh Kogan Ninja Scrolls which had uh a manga a live action film and maybe a play uh, Makai Tensho has had, uh, let's see, it's been adapted to film four times, had an anime, which was comprised of two OVAs, has five different mangas based off it, and another one possibly coming out in the future. And it's been made in the stage plays twice in a PS2 game. Hmm. What was the PS2 game? I think it was based on the film that came out in 2003. What was that called? It's also called Makai Tensho. I think oh. it's actually more than uh, another take on the novel, actually a remake of this film. What was the thing we watched last week called? Uh, that was uh, Basilisk, which is oh, uh, yeah. anime based on Kogan Ninja Scrolls. Is there any crossover between that and this? Uh, no, this is actually one of the few that I looked into. Uh, Futaro Yamada's historical fictions that isn't part of what's called the Ninpo Cho series. Basically, when they're translated, it's usually turned into something Ninja Scrolls, like Koga Ninpo Cho is a Koga Ninja Scrolls. Uh, Something we're going to talk about either next week or the following is called Yagyu Ninja Scrolls or Yagyu Ninpo Cho. There's a huge collection of books under that name, and I think they're all either loosely or not so loosely connected. But this, while being that sort of like fantastical historical fiction, isn't connected to those. But uh, what I was talking about before differences differences that I know between the novel and this. Um, yeah, in this movie, they made Shiro a much bigger figure, like the mastermind, whereas he's actually a un I wouldn't say unwitting, but he's he's definitely a pawn. And the uh, real mastermind seems to be uh, another historical figure who was uh, an advisor to Shiro during the rebellion. Let me see if I can hmm. his name. Um, 
I think it was Mori Soken. Yeah, Mori Soken. He's the one that revived Shiro. And uh, there's a lot more historical figures making up this uh, army, and you actually get a full explanation of like what force they're working for, which is Satan. They just say that out. Yeah, we're trying to revive Satan, and in order to revive Satan, we got to get rid of the Emperor and revert Japan back to what's called the uh, Sengoku period or the Warring mm-hmm. States period. Mm. Based before Japan was uh, a united country. Yes, before uh, Mr. Nobunaga. Yeah. Yeah, Nobunaga said all that shit in the motion. Yeah, I'm still waiting for us to like watch something with that dude in it. Oh, he'll get a month. Because there's <laughs> a Nobunaga a shit. Yeah, he'll get a month. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like I've, I always hear about him like tangentially. Someone always mentions him or the Tokugawa Shogunate, but I never really, like, I never beat Onimusha, and I've never really seen a full explanation or yeah. never sat down and read his Wikipedia page. Yeah, like, there's a lot there. The uh, short of it that I got was uh, he's one of many people who kind of rose up and tried to take hold, but uh, he succeeded where others failed because he was willing to look outside of Japan. Like he attained foreign weapons, foreign ships, studied tactics from other countries. And mm-hmm. Was just a polit- was just like a political and tactical uh, badass mastermind. Mastermind, yes. He was also pretty ruthless. He seems more often than not portrayed as a demon. Who is the current emperor? I do not know. <laughs> I am not that level of weeaboo. I feel like they said something about it recently where like they're like, Yeah, we're gonna just retire that. So we're yeah, we're, we're kinda, I mean it was it was really a ceremonial thing to begin with, but let's let's we're just done. We're done. Yeah. Well I mean they used to, you know the Emperor was like the H B I C. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what Fidel Castro did. He did like the same thing. Yeah. He just ousted the last dictator and kind of, they say he's the president, but he's been the president for like, well, I guess he's not the president now. His brother is because he's old, but he was the president for like 50 years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that's not really how emperors work anymore. Nope. It's just a family thing, and then the the prime minister does all the work. Mm-hmm. It's like the royal family in England. Pretty much. But I was thinking about that the other day, about how weird it is that a first world country still has an emperor. Or a queen. Even if it's just in name. Like, emperor. That's crazy. <laughs> because I, It's because I rewatched Star Wars the other day. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this is the Emperor. I was like, oh, yeah, Japan still has one of those. Oh, yeah, he had to, Palpatine had to do some wheeling and dealing to make that work, though. Mm-hmm. And it was a joy to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I saying? You, you never really get a feel as to what or who shiro is working for or even like like 
I was kind of I was like really wishing I had a better grasp of both uh, the Western and Eastern religion as well as the Japanese language so I can figure out what exactly Shiro's means were. Like, is this like an approximation of Christianity in Japanese or is he doing some voodoo shit? Is this like an Eastern take on it? Like, it's very strange. Like, yeah, well, it's a, it's a, I have a hard time figuring out what Makai Tensho really is. I just, yeah, it does bad shit. He's, well, he starts off, he's like, I was a Christian, but now I'm like, fuck this shit. Like, but it's like he still believes it exists. He's like, you all can rest. Yeah, he says, like, you go to heaven, I don't want to go anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stay here kill. fuck shit up. Yeah. I'm going gonna... Gonna to avenge you. You guys call some, call some demons, which is strange for someone who's a Christian to suddenly be summoning demons. Yeah, I appreciate that he renounces it, though. Mm-hmm. Before he goes all evil, because I think I was mentioning in the uh, Sword for Truth anime where I didn't like the fact that they were basically treating Christianity like any no-name cult you could have attributed this stuff to. Yeah, or like the way America treats Islam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say about that? I can't remember. But, uh... <laughs> anyway... Yeah, he does uh, wear the cross throughout and I think like carves a crucifix or burns a crucifix into a guy's skull. Oh yeah, and then they crucify a bunch of guys. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, the, the big deception there where he makes their uh, their crucifixes light up the moment that woman says they're martyrs. But uh, yeah... Yeah, yeah, another thing that threw me off is uh, when he's talking with that woman, that uh, weird sort of, like, circle he's sitting in, that seal, he says it's like the Ring of Solomon. I'm pretty sure that's actually a thing in the Bible. Pretty sure that's... What was? The Ring of Solomon. I want to say... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he mentioned that, and I was like, what? That sounds familiar. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the the name Solomon's tied to some means of controlling demons. It's either mm. like uh, an actual ring or some book or something. I don't know exactly. Also, um, just a minor bit. Uh, I guess uh, Shiro is supposed to be gay in this movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is he like? He is all over uh, Kirimaru. <laughs> that's right. That was strange. He's like, like I think he revives him by kissing his hand, and then like right before he tells him to rape the chick, he makes out with him. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I forgot about yeah, that. When uh, him and the girl are about to run off, it's like, no, he's mine. Hmm. What happened to that girl? Uh, I think she's chilling with uh, Jubei and that other chick. Yeah. Wait, yeah, that other chick, was she like confessing her love to Jubei or something? I didn't understand. She was like, 
Oh, like my aunt was like all bent out of shape about Miyamoto leaving. And she's like, don't do the same thing to me. Yeah, it was uh, interesting to get a call back to that as uh, Musashi's talking about this girl that kind of pined over him and he ignored because he was all about his art. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it's like, she was like, that was my aunt. That was my aunt. And she died hating that son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I want to say that was a big thing in samurai movies, basically, uh, having a love interest and being like, no, my life is dedicated to uh, the sword. I feel like that's a thing in Japanese culture as well. Like the maiden waiting forever for her man to return. Yeah. (laughs) And then she throws herself off the cliff in despair. (laughs) And then her ghost haunts the... uh... And then it turns into the ring. And then it no, it turns into an episode of Pokemon. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh crap, that was something I kind of wanted to get. Not not quite that, but uh, I'm kind of wondering where this falls into it. I don't know if it's the basis for it, but uh, I remember making a joke. I was talking with Ed about like Japanese horror and saying that far too often it's always like has this feeling of look what you did like mm-hmm. pointing to the audience look what you did <laughs> <laughs> even though it's not the audience but it's even like the XP for the audience whoever the main character is they always do just enough to sort of barely maybe deserve it but not really if you're being even remotely reasonable <laughs> just just enough that the the protagonist has some like tinge of guilt mhm yeah, there was. I noticed another thing. Somebody called somebody conceited uh, in this movie. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but I feel like that's a word that they like to use. Yeah. Like, he is conceited, along with, I'll never forgive you. Yeah, or a snipe. Uh, vexed is another one I've noticed. Hmm. Or, like, when someone's like, like, bothered by something to a degree that they can't get over they'll say that they're like it'll it'll say like it'll get translated as they're vexed Hmm. just weird it's like it's a word i never hear outside of uh japanese stuff yeah yeah it's makai tensho has like a lot of that in like people basically becoming the embodiments of like they're, they're like living karma I feel like that's like a staple of Japanese horror. It's like a single individual becoming the embodiment of karma for something. Mm-hmm. To one yeah. of the people. Yeah, the couple trying to run off. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Society's too much. We gotta run away. We gotta run away together. <laughs> so I guess uh, recommendations? Um, if you like mediocre... Mediocre films about villains. Wait. Let's go see Suicide Squad. Did you really think this movie was mediocre? I think this was a few shades above mediocre, and I think this was a lot better than Suicide Squad. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Like, at least you could look at this and say, that's a film. Mm -hmm. You could look at Suicide Squad and say, this is like a bunch of commercials put together Uh... for other movies that don't exist yet. God, see, either I mean, really, 
I want to say shit or get off the pot, but they can't seem to get the poop out right. Yeah. I'm hoping Wonder Woman's good. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it. It looks really good and it's like it's got a director who I don't know anything about, but she seems competent. She seems to know what she's talking about. Mm. Like and I think they have some good writers and Gal Gadot was she was decent in the fucking Batman vs Superman movie, but it's like I don't know. But I'm hoping that that's that's like a hit, and then they realize that like, oh, Wonder Woman, that's where. Yeah, we gotta where... bring some some other people in here because uh, Schneider ain't working. No, and and but... I don't know if you can attribute it to just him. Yeah, people are saying like. Like, oh, now they've called in Jeff Johns, but Jeff Johns has been working on this stuff, too, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for the most part, it is Schneider's fault. (laughs) There's, I don't know, man. Again, again, you don't have to fire him. You just make him like a second unit director. (laughs) You make him like the action guy, because the stuff does look good. It looks good. Yeah, it looks okay when it's he's just, not overdoing it. Yeah, you just you don't want him writing some of this other shit. Yeah, you need someone yeah. in there to pull him back. Yeah, well, I mean, Dave, the problem with David Ayer was he's a good director, but he's always got, like, well, there's always a little something in his movies that makes me go, I don't know if I buy your message or if I buy the believability in this scene, but mm-hmm. some of it... it I like him as a director. Me too. Um, but he... First of all, he didn't get to cut his movie, I don't think. Even uh, though he came, uh, out, okay. he came out and was saying, like, oh, this is my cut. But, like, the people that cut this movie are the ones that cut, from what I hear, they're the ones that cut the trailers for the movie. Mm-hmm. And the trailers were okay. Except they couldn't it... make their mind up on the tone. Uh, no. I uh, just, oh, I can't wait for you to see this movie. <laughs> well, it's like, first I see this serious trailer, and I'm like, okay, this could be good. And then it's like, I see uh the, the Ballroom Blitz trailer, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This would have been nice if I saw this first. Now I'm just really confused. Mm-hmm. It's, you're going to get both of those feelings when you watch the movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> Well, who knows? Maybe all these lowered expectations will make you like it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, there's I, some... came, I came out of Batman versus Superman like that was not as bad as people claimed. It's pretty fucking bad. It's bad, <laughs> but I think the big problem right now with a lot of people, specifically in regards to Superman, is that they want him to be something he's not, or at least not going to be yet. I don't know. I, you know, I love Man of Steel, like, yeah, more than anybody else. I like, but, uh, but Batman v Superman, the the ultimate cut was slightly better, mm-hmm. but it still it just has these giant problems, mm-hmm. giant fucking problems where it's like you would read that and say, 
I feel like a normal person would be like, or anybody who reads comics, yeah, would read it and go, "Don't do that." Well, like, yeah, let's but not do that here. Really, for me, it was it was the big leap of why do they need to kill each other? This is yeah, stupid. yeah. That's like, like I, that's like you're 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 miss you're making like leap. It's the best word I can use to describe what they did there. Yeah, it's well, you kind of buy Batman a little bit, and then. Superman's kind of backed into the situation, but really, that you don't get Lex Luthor's motivation at all. Yeah, he's just being like, it's yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely give you that. Mainly, like my my criticisms with people complaining about the movie is like, this isn't Superman at all. Bloody blah, blah. It's like, okay, he's not. He's still not the Superman you want yet. Deal with it. Yeah, I think he was fine. I think Affleck was fine. It was just the plot yeah. was terrible. Yeah, definitely. And fucking Doomsday. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> that, that was the worst. Well, I mean, that's probably why I had such lowered expectations mm-hmm. came into it. And maybe that's for the best, because if I were in the theater and saw that, I'd have been mad. <laughs> I'd have been fucking mad. I'd have been, yeah. I'd probably be fanboying out the way a lot of these people are. Though mm. my my issues would be focused on Doomsday. Because yeah. that was bad. It is bad. That was really <laughs> bad. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Justice League looked kind of fun. Uh, it looked from terrible. From the footage. Huh? It looked terrible to me. Why? Basically, what I was complaining about with Suicide Squad, just not having any sort of discernible tone and mm. seeming weird because of it, Justice League has no discernible tone and looks awful because of it. Well, I think it has a tone and it's like fun is what they're going for, but it's clearly a response to the backlash from Batman being versus Superman being so dark. Uh, I think what they've showed looks fine, but I also think that Zack Schneider is going to be like, okay, I'm going to listen. And he's going to take it way too far. Like it's going to be mm-hmm. too fun. Like in the way that suicide squad tried to be fun. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I watched that movie, it's like they wrote jokes. I didn't laugh. <laughs> yeah. You made a joke. It wasn't funny, but I get it. Yeah. It, most of the, uh, yeah. But anyway, what were we supposed to be doing? Uh, recommending things. You were uh, recommending Suicide Squad. <laughs> went off on that tangent. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know if I can recommend Suicide Squad. But, um, if you like this movie, you should check out. I don't know anything Kurosawa and samurai related. Mm-hmm. Yojimbo, Sanjiro, those are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven Samurai, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like Sunny Chiba, I'd say check out The Fast and the Furious 3. <laughs> <laughs> that's he's like, wonderful in it. That's like old, smooth-ass Sunny Chiba, though. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not as up on uh, Sonny Chiba's film library, though I hear good things about the Street Fighter. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm not really up on it either, except for Tokyo Drift and Kill Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He did a live-action adaption, too, I think, of GoGo13, which maybe we can watch at some point. That sounds like him as GoGo13 sounds kind of perfect. Yeah, he looks it. He looks perfect as GoGo13. Uh, so, you know, maybe those, the Street Fighter would be a good one. Um, I think there was another, com- if you like this one, there was another combination between uh, Kinji Fukusaku, one of the directors, and Sonny Chiba called the Shogun Samurai. Yeah, the Shogun Samurai, I think is what it's called. And it's um, it's uh, Sonny Chiba playing Jubei Yagyu again. Albeit, I don't think the stories are connected. What's it called? The uh, Shogun Samurai. Hmm. I think. Uh, Let me double check. Is there a sequel to this movie? No. There was a a straight-to-video adaption that had a sequel. I think it was like uh, Bakai Tencho in the second one. It was like Jubei from Hell or some shit. I thought, because I saw... Maybe it was just a totally different movie. I thought there was, this one was called... What was this called? Um, Well, the the film in Japan is just called Makai Tencho. The uh, mm. English language release is called uh, Samurai Resurrection. Yeah, isn't there... I thought I saw... Oh, something on YouTube that was like Samurai Retribution or something. Um, there was a 2003 remake of this movie. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> there was an anime adaption of Makai Tensho called Ninja Resurrection, which I we in the, part of the the primary reason why we watched this is because I did want to watch that. Mm. I saw it a long time ago, and it just it fucked my whole world up. <laughs> It was uh, not good. Hmm. Well, it was both not good and also like highly sadistic and disturbing. Not fun. But yeah, I guess if you don't mind like everything bad about a hentai with uh, an anime with action, except the action's not great or fun. Um, <laughs> and there's like a rape scene in part two of that anime that will give you nightmares. Uh, so, so you know, uh, creepy priest guy with the uh, spear. Yeah, he's a giant and like kind of like a rock monster. And yeah, his uh, rape scenes are pretty graphic and result in the chick chicks dying. Because he's a big rock monster with a big rock dick. Yep. And I'm pretty That's... sure the scene in question went on for like 10 minutes. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. It, it's Why? sad because I, like, I was sitting there thinking, okay, something's going to happen, right? It wouldn't go on this long because something's going to happen. Someone's going to show up and kill him, right? Okay, she's at least going to survive this, right? Someone's going someone's gonna to do... It. She's dead. <sighs> Fuck this anime. I suppose that's Japan for you. Yeah, well, the the reason why I got so infuriated with it is, is like because 
by the end of it, I realized, yeah, this this was this was supposed to be jacket material for somebody. Somebody mm. created this scene, thinking, oh yeah, someone's gonna love this shit. Oh yeah, that's the kind of thing where after you watch it, you want to like find who's responsible and stab them. Like not even necessarily kill them, just like stab them in the foot or something. It's like you need to understand pain. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a more traditionalist. I prefer my couples running off and eloping, or my maidens thrown off cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll. I. I can. I can take a woman tied to some railroad tracks. But I'm I'm only with this as long as she's saved eventually. I don't want to see a chick get run over by a train. I feel like you never see that. I feel like that's for the best. Is that, is that rooted in reality? Did that ever happen? I don't know. I felt like it was a staple of this old-ass cartoon called Dudley Do-Right. Yeah. It was a staple just back in the day in general. Yeah. <laughs> there was probably some old movie that did it, and then everyone else was like, yeah, this is this is good. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> you just put well, some rope around you, and you lay down, and we film it. Well, they did that in Way of the Samurai. Yeah, they did that to you. Yeah. You remember what uh, What's-His-Name says when you refuse to join him? I can't remember. It says something like, I guess today's a good day to get run over by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that game so much. That's that, There's something else you, I can recommend to you, just if you like samurai stuff. Uh, We've recommended that like the last three episodes. Well, yeah, and it'll probably get recommended at least once more. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's something I would like to see a game that starts off like that and then goes into like Makai Tensho territory. Maybe not mm-hmm. even just by default. Like there could be like like a branching storyline where you have to contend with a supernatural threat. You know what that reminds me of is uh, uh, Streets of L.A. Streets of L.A. You remember that game? A game? It was a game. Yeah, it was like a big deal when it came out. You were, now that I think oh, about it. Oh, true crime. Yeah, true crime. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I do remember I was like watching a review for it and saw some weird supernatural elements. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, did you ever play that? No. Yeah, oh man, it was, it was great. They basically just wanted to, someone wanted to do GTA, because GTA was huge at the time. They wanted to do GTA with Kung Fu. Yeah, that was the selling point. That was what mm-hmm. had me interested in it, is that it had like a melee combat. Yeah, I played depth. a bit of that. Now that I think about it, in hindsight, it's really interesting that it was one of the few Asian-American protagonists in a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game also had Christopher Walken in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I remember like seeing about that, like... You could get into some, I still haven't seen it yet, but you could get into some like Big Trouble in Little China shit. Yeah. And there was like demons and stuff, but I, there was like branching paths, so I never saw that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, Let me think, anything else? So there's, um, you know, a bunch of different, uh, I don't know how many, let me think. 
There was the 2003 remake of this movie, if uh, you happen to like this material. Uh, there's a manga by... Let's see if I can find his name. Guy who worked alongside Gona Guy, created Gitarobo. Um, edit, it's Ken Ishikawa. It's also called Makai Fincho. It seems, seems to follow the novel a bit closer. Uh, they used all the likenesses from that manga to make the uh, samurai, no, sorry, the ninja resurrection movie that I hate. But uh, the manga so far is a bit better and a bit less like cruel and like reveling in all the bad parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that was surprising to see in the battle royale manga. Oh God! Speaking of like reveling in all the bad parts, <laughs> yeah, Christ. Oof. That manga hurt me. So gross. Yeah, it was it was pretty vile. Yeah, they really toned down his character for the movie. Well, like the characters just made sense in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas the manga was just like, why, why people like this goes beyond like comical. This is just unnecessary. Yeah, I just that's just Japan sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Not to say that America doesn't have a dark seedy side, but I Oh yeah. We were talking about we were talking about something similar before we started recording, I think. Mm-hmm. About, you know, people complaining about things that don't really need complaining about or Yeah. But I, people were complaining about like, oh, people are like painting Japan as like super like perverted and shit and like it's not but like no it pretty it is it it has that side it's a big side well it's the part of the thing is is that side is its own industry it is it's an industry and it's run by organized crime if you're interested in that read tokyo vice yeah because it well it's also just a good read that's like a necessary read for every weeaboo yeah oh yeah and just like if you like Yakuza or yeah. interested in Japanese culture, society, whatever. Yeah. Or I, if I'd you're recommend that book to anyone. Yeah. If you're a that's thinking of traveling to Japan alone. Oh, oh say read yes. that and working there. Just yeah. things to be wary of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, Japan when they go dark, they go dark. And they, they go they go they can go uber grim dark. Mm-hmm. They they can go into some dank ass places. Yeah, and I think there is the it's part of it is sexual repression. Yeah, that's a good chunk of it that they have. Whereas we kind of I think we revel a bit much in our violence. Yeah. Um, we're not even ashamed about it. They kind of go for it with the like sex crime stuff. Yeah, well, it's funny because um, was it like like slasher films and first person shooters are the two that I've heard, you know, complaints about in regards to the Japanese audiences. Like it does, they don't make sense to them. Those two things don't really fly well with Japanese audiences because to them the violence is kind of meaningless. Like I guess, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what it is exactly that's throwing them off. I guess. Maybe they expect more of a point to it. 
though it seems it's it's always thrown me off to hear that from like a place that produces stuff that has a lot of sexualized violence yeah it's like it's like that that throws me off but i guess you know just maybe there's a difference in culture or maybe there's some information i'm not getting we're just our cultures are crazy in different ways yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. without question um, let's see if, uh, I guess the subject matter here interested you and you were maybe interested in the author of the source material of Tara Yamada. There's the anime we watched last week, uh, Basilisk. Mm-hmm. Um, and the week before, uh, the, the sword for truth, which kind of touched on this material in a much less sensitive way. That's <laughs> still a similar story. Uh, Ninja Scroll, which I keep mentioning, and I think we're gonna watch later in the month. Was it Blood Rain? It's another one, similar form format. You go somewhere, you fight some demons. Yes, Blood Rain. Uh, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Is that the one with the talking horse? <laughs> Yeah, the talking horse and the Wolverine claw. Uh, Demonic Mr. Ed. Uh, And the spider monsters. And the spider monsters that you punch in the mouth. Yes. And the psychic centaur man. Psychic centaur demon man, I should say. Uh, Yeah, I think that's more or less everything. Anything you wanted to say to the audience before we closed it out? Mm, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, things might be shifting around in an interesting way for this network. Yeah, things are still weird. Hopefully, yeah. by the time you hear this, the uh, we've uh found some like some some stable ground. Yeah, I think by the time you all hear this, we might be putting out. Joe might be back, but it might be old Joe. It might be young us <laughs> over on NAGP uh, thinking about throwing out some of the classic episodes because I'm, I'm kind of, my life is kind of chaotic right now. Okay, uh, well, that would be something interesting. And also that would free us up some time to do some episodes of my show. Okay. And I can have a stack of those. Oh yeah, I was wanting to ask you about some like potentially like big crossover event or something. I can't quite remember what it was. Whenever I remember it, I'll just write it down and then put it in GChat. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, uh, keep an eye out for that, all you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I don't know who you guys are. If there's like. I feel like we have somewhere between like seven and twelve listens that we get on every episode. Yeah, last I looked at um, the SoundCloud thing, it said we're averaging uh, seven listens a day or something. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know who you guys are, but uh, those of you who aren't bots, I should say, tell your friends. I don't know if the bots generate plays. And remember, dear listener, as long as an evil exists in men's hearts, this show will always come back. Man, I'm cutting it close.
doing all the editing the night of, man. It's been a, just a very strange time for me. But I'm, like, I'll be glad when I have some actual stability. Right now, my life seems to be in a constant state of flux, and seems like Mike's is too, and maybe Joe's is as well. But yeah, thank you for sticking it out with us, all of you dear, dear listeners. Alright, let's get to it. Uh, the song you're listening to right now is Synthetic Highway. If you like it, feel free to check out its creator, Submorphine, on soundcloud.com slash submorphine. S-U-B-hyphen-M-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. The promo theme is Anime Raku, and if you want to check out the author of that song, uh, head on over to facebook.com slash squarion. S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N. I believe... At least I'm hoping Squareon's still working on Project Stick Part 2, which is uh, something he asked me to plug. So uh, head on over to facebook.com slash Project Stick. And, oh yeah, the, uh, well, the website's down at the time of recording this, but we're working on getting it back up. In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, or SoundCloud. Uh, all of which is uh, Hey Listen Radio. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Twitter, and Google Play. We have individual Twitter accounts for our individual shows. The Twitter account for this show is at OldTakuConnect. The Twitter for Joe's show, NAGP Resurrection, is at NAGP Returns. The Twitter for Mike's show, Hyper 90s Zeitgeist Breakdown, is at Hyper 90s. We spell it the 90s. Also, I've got a Gmail for this show. Uh, connection at gmail.com. So, yeah, feel free to drop us a line, talk to us, just say hi, make suggestions, whatever. It's an extra bit of motivation just knowing you're there and listening. So, uh, until the next one, uh, thank you for listening, and have a good night, people. You know, raiding the, the whorehouses and red light districts and trying to force people into, like, giving him their daughters. That's how this really yeah. starts. He's a sex fiend cannibal. Yeah. My brother just pretty fucking up. Yeah, give you ninja squirrels. Yeah.